that praise unto the Lord for what he is doing in this house already. Come on, let's give him a little praise right now. It's okay to lift your voice and magnify him for a moment. We worship you and we praise you and we magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. I give you praise, Lord. And I receive that healing and miracle tonight in Jesus' name. Anybody said amen to that? You may be seated. God bless you. It is an honor to be here. And and, I certainly give honor to uh, each of you and your faithfulness to the kingdom of God and the house of God and the things of God. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be with uh, you tonight and each time we have the opportunity to come. And, of course, we give honor to Bishop and Sister Wright and thank the Lord for them and uh, their tremendous ministry and blessing, not only here but across the world. And we thank God for them. And I do give honor to your uh, wonderful pastor and his wife and their family. I thank the Lord for them. And uh, my wife and your pastor's wife are enjoy hanging out together. I, I think they enjoy the shopping together and the fun together and all the stuff. And uh, so whenever that time comes, uh, I appreciate them having that fellowship and their family, amazing family and all the additions to the family. Amen. We thank the Lord for that. Uh, and we give God praise. It's always a pleasure to be able to uh, be in the uh, company of Brother Dillingham and Brother Herod as well as all the other uh, members of the trustee board, and uh, to be able to spend time together and share together and and be whatever blessing we can to the kingdom of God uh, right here. So to God be the glory. Uh, The connections that uh, Pastor mentioned with the Sullivans and the Singletaries, I think that's the the name you you may know, and is far-reaching to years beyond even my knowledge, but my parents and uh, sister uh, bishop, sister bishops' uh, parents have tremendous connections in ministry work back in the state of Mississippi in the day of uh, being in the same church and ministering in the same church in the same area. And uh, then my aunt, of course, is a tremendous friend of that family as well. And we thank God for connections. When you start talking about it, the world gets pretty small, doesn't it? You know somebody that knows somebody somewhere. And so thank God that he puts all the people in the right path at the right time to bring us into this kingdom work that God is doing in our midst. I want to just take a moment, and maybe all three of us have the same idea, and you'll actually get out of here sooner than you thought. Uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll do something quick, and then... Uh, we'll, we'll be on our way to what God's going to uh, use these uh, words and direction to be completed in the hours and the days ahead. Uh, there is a scripture in the book of uh, John chapter number 12 that the Lord uh, spoke to me. And uh, I, I just want to mention this and share with you kind of, and I feel like it just it moves in some of the same context of what Brother Herod was just saying, although we hadn't had communication about what any of us were going to say. But in John chapter number 12 and verse 23, 
Jesus answered, saying, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. Somebody say, and die. It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So again, if I had a text, I would call it this. The other side of death. The other side of death. Jesus was really trying to bring to their recognition that his time was coming to an end. And in that, he was identifying that except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But he didn't stop it there. He began to relate to you and I that if you love your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you hate this life, then there is going to be a, a life and a world eternal that's in front of you. And as you begin to review that over and over, <clears throat> uh, there's been times in my life and in your life, and maybe you're uh, in one now, or just coming out of one, or there's one out in the wing somewhere that you may be encountering in the days to come, or months or years. Uh, we don't wish those times on anybody, but there's situations that come that you didn't ask for. Uh, you, did, you didn't sign up for it. It just kind of showed up on your radar, and you thought everything was going just fine, and all of a sudden you're met face-to-face with great, uh, great issues, great problems, <clears throat> uh, walls and obstacles and things that stand in your way. All of a sudden, everything's just clicking along, and then all of a sudden something comes on the radar and it brings pain to us, <clears throat> and uh, it brings some heartache to us and some struggle to us, insomuch that we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. And uh, I've asked before, and you've asked before, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? I don't deserve this. I've been faithful in everything I know to be faithful in. And I don't know why I'm facing what I'm facing. And then all of a sudden, you begin to see that there's some things that are being uh, stripped away from us. That uh, in my prayer time, trying to survive, God begins to reveal what is dying in me. And He begins to show us some things in our life that didn't need to live any longer. But it needed to die. It needed to... Uh, be stripped away. It needed to be uh, separated from us. And that is the process of dying. And uh, that's not a comfortable thing. That's a very uncomfortable thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, you'll start picking out people you don't like when you're going through that. You'll hate on people. There's four of us understand what I'm saying. Uh, I try to find somebody to blame for most everything. I know I didn't do that, so it had to be 
And so we start trying to find people to pin these things on. This wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have. This wouldn't have happened if you hadn't. This wouldn't happen if you'd have showed up. This wouldn't happen if you'd have come when you should have come. You came too early. You came too late. You stayed too long. You didn't stay long enough. So we start trying to figure out. And the whole time God is saying, you know what? There's a process happening here called death. And there's some things that's dying in your life so that some things can live in your life. But he doesn't show us the living part. He doesn't show us the other side of this. Insomuch that we wonder if we're actually going to survive this. I mean, really, we start questioning whether or not there is anything past this moment and this circumstance and this situation and this problem. And we just start questioning people and, you know, I'm a pastor. So pastor and the preacher and, the, you know, everybody else that we can think of, the singers and the people that's running and the people that's shouting and the people that's sitting and the people that's early and the people that's late and the people that used to come and the people that do come and the people anywhere we can figure out how to blame or talk or wonder why in the world is this happening. And the whole time God is peeling some things off of us. There's some things dying in us. We pray more when we find ourselves in a place of despair. In Arkansas, we pray more when we find ourselves in despair. Maybe it's different here. But when the trouble really comes and the money starts running out, and I'm hurting and I'm sick and I can't get answers... And the family situations have arisen and crisis has come. I'm finding myself more frequently when there's nobody in the house of God somewhere on my face talking to the Lord. Because then I begin to say, I got to have you. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. Let me, let me quickly in my conclusion go to John 11. John 11 gives us uh, a moment where... Uh, there is one who is sick whom Jesus loves. His name is Lazarus. And uh, he loves Lazarus and Mary and Martha. In John chapter number 11, he's sick, but Jesus is not there. Jesus gets word, you need to come because Lazarus is sick. And he needs you to come so he can be healed of his sickness. And Jesus does not go. He tarries a distance away. He's not there. And, uh, and the story continues to speak and say that as he was getting sick, maybe his uh, prognosis was uh, verbally expressed insomuch that Mary and Martha and those that were close by that loved him began to feel uh, the suddenness of what's about to happen. He's getting worse every day. And no doubt Lazarus could hear or overhear or maybe he was just, you know, told, this don't look good. As a matter of fact, we're worried about you. I mean, he's losing his ability to do the things that he has been doing. Uh, and now he is progressively getting worse and Jesus is distanced and Mary and Martha and those who have come in that love Lazarus are experiencing sorrow and pain and and now he's they're saying you don't have but just a little while left he's hearing people who are talking and crying and pain is happening and now he hears 
all of these voices around him. It's not the voice of Jesus. It's the voice of a lot of people worried and sorrowful and crying. And that's, that's depressing. I mean, that's depressing. That's, why is this happening? I'm a friend of Jesus. And everybody here is a friend of Jesus. But there's a lot of sorrow and pain and struggle. Until then, he died. And the mourners came. And the wailing started. And the crying started. Now, he didn't hear that. He didn't hear, he didn't hear the crying and the wailing. Uh, the mourners, they took him and they wrapped him and they put him in that uh, resting place, that tomb and that burial place. And uh, then they went back to their house. And guess who shows up at their house a few days later? Jesus. And, they, and it's declared, had you been here, he would not have died. And Jesus wept. And Jesus, I'm going to try to move this a little closer. You, you kind of get the picture I'm trying to paint here. There's a death that happened that this, the one that died is not feeling good about it. And the one around them are not feeling very good about it. There's no fuzzy feeling about this is going to change. It's, it's all destiny. This is, this is it. It's over. I mean, the, all the good times, let's pull out the pictures and talk about memories because Lazarus is not coming back. If you was going to do it, you should have came earlier and did it. But you didn't, so it's over with now. Well, take me to where he's laying. And, well, he wants to visit the site, the burial place. And so they go. And then Jesus, when he gets there, says, roll the stone away. You know this story better than I do. I, I don't know what's happening at that point because Martha is saying, by now, Jesus, he stinks. He's been there for four days. This is not a good idea. I mean, if you wanted to see him, you should have come earlier. We, you should have come, you know, before it happened. But even if you wanted to weep and have memories and just maybe view him, you should at least come day one after he died or day two after he died. But this is not a good idea. You should have showed up, Jesus, a different time. So now the whole timing of this whole dying thing is affecting everybody. I mean, it's messing folks up. It's, it's, uh, it's messing all kind of people up. I mean, the guy that's died is messed up and all his, his sisters are messed up and then all their friends are messed up and now you want to roll the stuff. You get what I'm saying? This, this dying thing is just a mess right now. It's uncomfortable, it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, it's not supposed to happen. You should have been here, somebody should have done this. There's all kinds of emotions involved in this dying experience. Until the stone was rolled away and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And whenever he spoke that word, when that dead man heard the words of Jesus, he came out of that tomb. He rose up, the one that should be stinking, the one that should have all of these, you know, issues from, from decay and death. He rose up alive and well 
And Jesus said to everybody else, loose him and let him go. Now this is, this is the beautiful thing about this very familiar story. And that is this. Oftentimes as God has taken us through the process of things dying, we, we are really praying that the Lord would show up on our time frame and do things the way we want Him to do it. But the fact is this, there's another side of dying that I don't see. There's another side of dying that you don't see. And that is the, the day of resurrection from your place of death. It is a place of life. I'm not, we could talk about eternal life in heaven and all that good stuff, but I'm just talking about the fact that Jesus was trying to define what you think is over is not over. What you think is done and you gave up on is not the end. That sickness that we just prayed for, that problem and pain in your body we just prayed about, that you have learned to live with for five years, ten years, 20 years, 30 years. We've just learned how to live a normal way. But the fact is this. There's another side of this. When we learn what God is trying to get us to learn. And we can say, wait a minute. There's something else about to happen. There's something about to take place on the other side of death. And it's called resurrection. It's called it's time for you to get up because you're healed. It's time for you to get up because the wounds in your mind, your emotions, your heart, your life, your situation have been restored unto you. God is a God of restoration. And what the enemy would like to decay and deteriorate, God is going to restore to us. So I guess I just need to say here tonight that in the fact whether Jesus can stop the, the, the funeral procession in Nain and he can heal a child and give it the child back to his mother and say, listen, what you, you're on your way to bury something. But I just needed you to know that some things need to die. In order for you to recognize. And in that moment, that lady in Nain, she got a revelation of who Jesus really was. She began to recognize who he was. As a matter of fact, the, those around those religious leaders in the day of Lazarus, they tried to figure out ways to kill him because people were coming to see and to hear Lazarus, the one who had been raised from the dead. And this is what your Bible says. And many followed after him, after Jesus Many were filled, many were delivered, many were set free because of this one's resurrection called Lazarus. Your ministry is just about to start. Because when you finally die, you finally get up. When you finally die, you finally get restored. When you finally surrender, all of a sudden you finally experience your calling and your, and your ministry and your direction of what God has. Don't give up on what God has promised He's going to do in your life. There's some miracles coming. There's some people that's going to walk in this building because somebody's going to hear about your miracle. Somebody's going to hear about your testimony. Somebody's going to hear about what God has done for you. The other side of dying is living. And God's about to bring some life. Somebody's been struggling through something. I don't know if it's doubt or I don't know what you've been. It seems like the wall gets taller 
and the wall gets thicker and the issues are. But I want to tell you, there's whenever God continues to get you to that place where you have just completely surrendered it to him, there's about to be a sound of victory that's come into your life. There's about to be a sound of victory that's going to happen on your job place and in your family, your spouse, your children, people around you. I believe God's about to raise up something through you and in you that you have not experienced until you have went through a dying process that brings a living process to everybody around you. I wonder if you just lift your voices right now and say, Lord, I want your will in my life. I want you to work through me and in me. Come on, just speak that word right now. That no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I surrender it all to you. Come on, lift your voice for a moment. I surrender it all to you, God. I surrender everything to you. My family, my job, my finances. I surrender it all to you. And whatever you want to do, I'm willing to yield it to you for your kingdom to be done. Hallelujah. Now, can somebody give God some praise for the souls that are coming and the miracles that are happening? Can somebody just give God some praise for what he's about to do in your house and in your family and in your situation? Come on, somebody ought to praise him now. Somebody ought to loose him and let him go. Somebody ought to let the miracle breathe and walk right now in this room.